0: If you can and you're willing to support us uh, in whatever way you can we always really appreciate it with the best ways to do that go to patreon.com slash dgustpodcast pick a tier that's right for you and support us if you can we would really appreciate you lots of really cool benefits there go check them out also don't give up the ship apparel it's dgutsapparel.com get yourself some naval pride and heritage gear you'll actually wear in public we've got t-shirts hoodies all kinds of cool shower shoes, little like uh, drawstring bags, all kinds of cool stuff, a bunch of really cool custom stickers, and then the challenge coins and D- and Don't Give Out the Shit podcast apparel is there as well. So please, if you can and you're willing to support us, go to those two places uh, and find whatever way works best for you. It's dgutsapparel.com and patreon.com slash dgutspodcast. Thank you. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Don't Come Up the Ship Podcast, episode 110. Uh, today, I'm talking to now retired. Uh, he's been retired for a hot minute. Command Master Chief, uh, Dave Deary. He is the founder and one of the uh, overlords <laughs> of the what's called the Enlisted Leadership Foundation. I've, I've mentioned it on a few podcasts. Um, and then a listener, shout out to Victoria, was kind enough to uh, link me up with Dave and uh, we, you know, were able to record a podcast and it was super fun. Um, but it's, it's cool because he's kind of, um, he's like an earlier version of me. Like he was looking for a way to solve what he perceived to be a leadership development and education problem in the Navy. Uh, and around, I believe it was 2007. I recorded this podcast like a month ago. So, you know, hopefully I don't butcher any of the details, but, um, it was before the holidays, but it, uh, he, he went about creating a really cool nonprofit organization where they're in, they're based out of the San Diego area, right? Uh, and they run a bunch of courses where um, their leadership development courses, the Foundry and the LPO Academy. And, um, and then they, they were doing a Heritage Academy. Um, and we talked about that a little bit. But uh, they are doing what I like, kind of the brick and mortar version of what I do in a really cool and meaningful way. Um, and I plan to try to get out there at some point and be a mentor in one of those classes. But because um, I want to experience it firsthand as well so that I can I can talk about that. But, yeah, I, I really I admire what he what he's had been able to accomplish. Um, very similar motivations for my doing the podcast. But uh, he had I think he's been he's he got a lot done considering um, like kind of where he started uh, And I think what he had in his in his head, I mean, they're, they're a pretty, pretty robust organization nowadays with a lot of heavy hitters uh, contributing to what I uh, have been told for a long time is really meaningful, robust leadership development education. So it was really encouraging kind of hearing about it, but then getting to talk to Dave about it. Uh, I'm I'm even more excited about it. So if you're in the San Diego area and you haven't gone, what are you doing with your life? But if you're not, he talks a little bit about like you can get uh, your command to fund the TAD orders and he talks a little bit about that. Like you can get there otherwise without paying for the whole thing out of pocket. But I highly encourage you to, to look into that, to correspond with them and to try to get into one of the classes. And they're doing a bunch of stuff online now too so where you can do it via Zoom. Not quite the same thing, but it's, it's something and it's, it, you're going to get meaningful uh, development from it. So uh with that I hope y'all enjoy this as much as I I did doing it. It was very fun uh and check it out. Cool. Um but yeah man, so just like like we said just I I like to start with a bio just to give the listeners a a, a good context on on who I'm talking to and then we'll go from there. Yeah. Okay. So go you can so, go ahead and start uh, whenever you're ready.
1: Okay. Well, thanks for having me uh, on the show, brother. Appreciate you. A uh, little on. bit about me. So, man, I, I, uh, I joined the Navy the day after Christmas of 1984. As Good
0: a, Lord, I was one years old.
1: Well, th- <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah, I, uh, You're welcome. Well, it, 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 so I'm from Southern California. My dad worked in downtown San Diego at the time, and that's where MEPS was. Uh-huh. And so okay. I went down there and I joined as an AZ. And uh, okay. so after I got done, I walked up to my dad's office. I said, dad, I, I joined the Navy. Yeah. I said, okay, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to be an ass. And he says, what's an ass. ass? And I'm like, no, dad, an, an AZ. And so, you know, they yeah. give you that little sheet of paper that describes the job. Mm-hmm. And so I yep. show my dad and he said, he said, come on, man, this is nothing but a, a yeoman for airplane. I don't want you to be <laughs> no yeoman. And, and so this was like 530 at night. It we you know, like 1984 and he gets on the phone and somehow he gets the head recruiter for San Diego who happens oh, wow. to be a radioman. And my dad yeah. served for four years in the sixties as a radioman. So okay. he gets this guy on the phone and he says, Hey Sparky, I don't want my, my son to be an ass. I want him to be a radioman <laughs> like I was. And so they made me a radioman. So I, I came in the Navy <laughs> as a radioman. Uh, they renamed us ITs in 1999. And then in mm. 2002 was when I went command master chief after picking up nine. And then I punched out. <laughs> I joined 2000- the Navy in
0: 2002.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh,
0: wow. I just retired September 30th as a master
1: chief. <laughs> as a master chief, right? Yeah. So, gosh. So yeah, so yeah. I, I retired, or transitioned, whatever word is your flavor. Yeah. Uh, June. Uh, I came out of uniform February of 2015. and full retirement, June of 15. I still have a corporate job, but uh, from the military, those are near 31 years of my life. So it was great. It was was a lot of fun, great memories. I love on my birthday going to uh, social media and seeing all the birthday blessings from, you know, 90% of my military family. Yeah.
0: Uh, Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I, yeah, and I just laugh because it's like I—I I joke with all my friends now that I'm the old retired guy. But I'm yeah. like, and then everybody's like, "You're not that old." I'm like, "Well, I feel like I'm that old, so like I don't yeah, know what yeah. to say." Yeah. Yeah, my well, you body feels
1: fifty now. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have the gray beard going on. Uh, it's a little. Uh, it's I got some.
0: I got some in there. You probably can't see it with my webcam being crappy. I've been nah, trying to the, upgrade you know, guys, my video quality.
1: Dave, David Carter, he just punched out after mm. 35 years, and he actually has gray beard. This you know, six inch yeah. long gray, gragly <laughs> beard. So
0: I like it. I'm hoping to. I'm hoping to get there eventually. I'm hoping it'll all just go gray. Um, I'm sure it will. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, I mean, like the I, we talked a little before we started recording, but I've been like peripherally, peripherally. I pronounce words yeah. well. Um, aware of the enlisted leadership foundation for a while. Um, I think I was made aware of it. Just, I stumbled on it on social media and I saw some stuff that Joanne Ortloff was posting in some groups or something like that. Um, and then a buddy of mine was a mentor like uh, 10 years ago. So like I was, wow. uh, made aware of it. because okay. So I, I, I saw the, uh, he was a, I think he was a foundry mentor yep. and, uh, I saw it and I was like, what the hell is this? Like, and I looked mm-hmm. into it. And I'm like, do they just have like an en- enlisted leadership school in San Diego that I'm unaware of? And it turns out it's kind of true. I thought it was the Navy doing it when I saw uh, some social media posts um, that he, that he did about being a mentor. Um, but like, I'm really interested. Um, but like, I've been doing this for seven years and I, I started it initially because in, my analysis at the time being unaware of elf and i'm sure there's a couple other things out there um, that i've yet to discover and this was pre-enlic and everything else is um there was no leadership development like they just didn't exist i went to the senior enlisted academy when i was uh, on my second shore duty as a chief and it blew my mind that we have this capacity that is reserved for only the uh like the throughput that is is uh like the bandwidth that they have at SEA and that's it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it, 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 and I don't, I don't know how much I even learned there. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was the, the idea that we had that capacity and we weren't using it at like every major fleet concentration (laughs) area. Like it kind of pissed me off to be honest with you. And, but it was also like a really, really great experience. Um, So to learn about, elf existing I, i'm wondering like like how how did it come to be like what what did you see in 2015 or, or when you um decided to found it because I, i'm 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 really wondering if it's similar to the reason i started doing this is like i was just trying to create a resource for people mm-hmm. um that i i didn't feel like was real because you know like po in doc and all that stuff was a check in the box and nobody was really doing anything so until you got to the chief season you didn't really get any uh, formal leadership development. And then the next the next real outside of just like uh, any fortuitous mentorship you get along the way. It's like the only real formal training. Uh, there's a chief season and then there's SEA, and the end, you know, unless you capstone right. it at the end. And and, and it, the frustration for me has always been that it it feels like by the time you're a chief select, a lot of bad habits or misconceptions or misunderstandings of the things you should be doing as a leader. uh, Those behaviors are validated by promotions and awards to a Mm -hmm. point where you're not going to teach them many, many new things. A lot of the time, I don't think it's impossible, but I think it's a lot more difficult. Um, But like, how did, what's the origin story, man? What's the, uh, how did, how did you decide to uh, found uh, ELF? Uh,
1: Well, I'll tell you, you, you and I are, are, uh we are very identical okay we, we we think a lot alike um and i'll and i'll probably touch upon same type of stuff uh since we have we, we have a good amount of time i'll just give you the i'm going to give you the non-readers digest version I'll okay give you the version it's my okay?
0: favorite kind let's do it <laughs> okay
1: so a uh, little bit of history so when i came up through the ranks Uh, we had different formal leadership schoolhouses for E4s, e five, E6s. LMET was one, NAV LEAD was one, and LDP was one, Navy Leadership Development Program. Um, And in order to promote to that next pay grade, you had to graduate from that course. So ideally, if you're up for E4, you're going to go as an E3 to the class. Right. um, So that when you do get it you've already got the certificate you can be mm-hmm. promoted so then we we go to war and as, as a result of the war effort um by
2: 2007
1: 2006 2007 the navy was had over 50,000 waivers mm-hmm. to promote without graduating from for your, from your respective leadership development course mm-hmm. um largely because each course was two weeks long. So you had to you know, be sent from your command for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're in long enough to see how there's, yeah. e- even though we started drawing down from the military in the mid nineties, it continues to a certain extent. Um, we went from maybe having four deep at a rate down to maybe a single point failure. And so Damn. if I'm taking you off a ship or shore command, and when you go to these leadership schools, you're off the duty section as well. So yeah. it just became, um, prohibitive to let let people go because we were operational, we're right. at war. So the answer uh, was: there's no way we're going to be able as a navy to go to to make right to make well. So let's just take the curriculum as best we can, and we're going to make a new curriculum that's going to last for three days. We're going to put it on a PowerPoint disc, or you know, PowerPoints put on the disc. And we're going to give every command in the military, the disc. We're mm. going to shutter all the brick and mortars yeah. and the command level will do the leadership development.
0: What could so, possibly go wrong?
1: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, so then what happens And listen, um, you know, I, I, one of the things we talk about is you learn more from failures than mistakes. Right. So part of the creation of this is a result of my own failures and you know, so, so who do you take? to teach leadership. Well, I'd love to take the best of the best. But listen, mm-hmm. I need the best of the best of my cheese mess to make sure that we fight right. the ship.
2: Yeah. So
1: we take the people that may not be the best or just may have a not the easiest job, you know, mm-hmm. not, not, you know, not they have an easy job, not most critical and say, hey, Listen, I need you to teach this leadership class. So right. already, if you're gonna rank them out, this may be my middle of the road to my lower. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then we say, and listen, I, I know you it's supposed to be three days, but you know we right. we got these. We stuff, don't got time so for I that.
0: To be so. done in a day
1: and a half. Yeah. yeah so just, just <laughs> the, the CEO really,
0: wants to frock everybody on Friday, so you've got eight hours.
1: <laughs> so and, and then ironically, you know, and then even now, you talk to people. They think, most people think that petty officer NDOC is leadership development. And right. it's not. PO mm-hmm. doc was separate from the leadership courses. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of now what people think is the leadership. So um, by about 2012, uh, well, honestly, from about 2008, 2009, I started working directly with the first class messes to provide leadership training, my chief mess as well. But, but I could not mm-hmm. agree more. Once you make chief, you've already been validated that all the leadership you've been doing up to this point. Right. Obviously I'm doing it the way I should be doing it. Mm -hmm. Because they
0: wouldn't
1: promote me. Right. And um, which as an aside, one of my speakers uh, that I have is somebody that was promoted up through the ranks and was a toxic leader. And Mm -hmm. this person will come into the class and and tell this story. Very transparent. That's great.
0: That's amazing. Yeah,
1: It really is. And so, so I, I ultimately, when I was the Region Master Chief uh, in San Diego, um, we had just started the CPO Legacy Academy. Mm-hmm. So, the, the the first Legacy Academy was on the USS Constitution, continues to this day. It's a mm-hmm. Navy sponsored and Navy funded program. At right. the USS Missouri and Hawaii, they created a grassroots program. So, then mm-hmm. San Diego, a grassroots program was created by my predecessor, Nancy Hollingsworth. So I was walking across the street from my office to the Midway to sit down with Midway to schedule for the following year, and as I walked mm. across with the senior chief of mine, and I said, "You know, this is such a great program. It's unfortunate that you have to be a chief selectee to attend. Wouldn't it be something yes. if there was?
0: Wouldn't it be something?
1: E six, any first class? Yeah. And and I'm like, you know what? Why don't we create something like that? Mm-hmm. What's the worst that's going to happen? Right. And so um, so I had this idea and I reached out. So I had just come off the USS Pelalu. And I had this great senior chief on there by the name of Diane McQueen Gibson. She was an mm-hmm. uh, AOCS. She had mm-hmm. just now picked up. She had transferred and then picked up mass Chief. She was the fifth AOCM and uh, female AOCM in the Navy. And I ran into her at Coronado and I'm like, hey, Diane, could you... Can you help me? You come by the office. I got this idea. So I pitched this idea to Diane. And what, I, what I've always appreciated is, 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 you know, especially as a command master chief, I always needed that uh, chief or two that wasn't afraid about coming into the office, shutting the door and saying, listen, Emperor, you got no clothes on. Yeah. The decisions <laughs> that you guys are making or you realize this She was always never would call it out to embarrass or, you know, stop the job, mm-hmm. but would have the respect to do it behind closed doors, and so mm-hmm. I, and she has always been very uh, brutally honest. So I pitched this idea. I'm like, "What do you think?" And and just the idea was simply, I want to get um, civilians that have been successful in the community to teach about their leadership experiences. But I don't want to do it in an auditorium for a couple of days. I actually want to take the sailors to the places of business. Because mm-hmm. it's one thing you know, to say, hey, I retired from the army and I taught leadership at West Point. But if I can right. take you to the university that you're now mm-hmm. the dean of this prestigious private university teaching leadership, that just has a different
2: mm-hmm. impact. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so we, we ended, we started the idea in February of 2013 Um, May of 2013 was when Mm -hmm. the first foundry class started. It lasted for, we, we showed up on a Sunday afternoon. We graduated on a Friday afternoon. We lived on board the midway for those, Mm -hmm. uh, those nights. Um, There was a capacity for 60 first class petty officers and a dozen Mm -hmm. chief mentors. And um, all I did was uh, I created, um, I have a, um, I got my master's degree in education technology. So I created a, a video and I got myself a website. I <laughs> sent one email to the Chiefs mess in San Diego said, hey, I want to try this thing. And I didn't yeah. tell anybody about it until about six weeks before we are gonna, you know, do it. And the reason <laughs> being because listen, and when I did tell people about it, it's like, why are you gonna do that? Who's gonna come? It'll never work, yeah, right? Yeah done it at the, uh, if i done it at the beginning, I would have gotten discouraged. So I waited, well, this man is too far down the road. And Mm. then I knew, (laughs) I I said, you know what? If I ask people to send me people to fill the seats, who are they going to send? Well, they're going to send the best of the best. Well, I don't want the best of the best, right? Even in the Legacy Academy, Um, And and I had this guy, when I was a a command master chief at Assault Craft Unit 5, we were going to send like our top chief selectee to the CPO Legacy Academy on
2: Constitution, one of my senior
1: chiefs at the time who is now a retired command master chief. Uh, His name is Joe Gregatech. And Mm -hmm. Joe said, Dave, let's send, and he named this guy who was like middle to lower. He just like wasn't Mm -hmm. really getting it in the season. He said, let's send him. So yeah. into that mindset, I'm like, that's really who I want to impact. Right. Because the top of the top are probably doing it pretty well.
0: Yeah. I want and, the island of misfit
1: toys. Send me some. Yeah. Them. <laughs> yeah. <And laughs> the very bottom, well, nobody will send them anyways. So yeah. I so I talked to this other buddy of mine, his name is Dave Flannery, and Dave was command master chief of NASA. And mm. we were we were in the same building. I was telling him and I am like, wait, and and he says, Well, why don't you try doing an application? I'm like, oh. That's exactly right. So
2: yeah.
1: I said, what I'll do is I'll give a two-week window, take them to this website, they'll watch this video with this great music, they'll mm-hmm. submit this application, and then if they get accepted, then I'll say this is what you gotta pay. So that's what I did. I had 52 E6s apply. So mm-hmm. our first class had 52 people. I didn't know how much to charge. Right. So I charged $195. It just seemed like a good number, and that <laughs> paid for all the food for the week, mm-hmm. it's, uh, a couple leadership books. Um, we were able to use. Um, I talked to the Jags, and they we were able to use Navy vans because this is Navy leadership. We had mm-hmm. to use our own, like either a, a first class or a chief as the driver. Couldn't mm-hmm. use like an E5, um, right. so they so that was fine. And then, were you uh,
0: you were still active duty at the time? Exactly right? during all this. Okay. okay. Yeah.
1: And um, so we had like and so we just traveled around. So I I met some people um through the nonprofit world because as a region master command master, if you you meet people right. at, Yeah, so we just created and and so during the day when the ship was open, we would go off the ship. We did physical fitness a couple times that week. We did mm. um we visited some people, we'd always schedule it to get back to base so we could eat in a galley because it was a lot cheaper that way. We get right. back to midway about five, 5.30 at night. Then we did fireside chats. So we mm-hmm. do a big roundup where we would talk about the day. How can we take some civilian leadership stuff and incorporate it into our daily life? And, and, and what we learned after that first class, and, and I'll tell you, so we did the graduation and these sailors are like, "Massive, Chief, this was life-changing. This was yeah. the best training, and yeah. you know we we've experienced what it's like making chief when you go through initiation for six mm-hmm. weeks. These sailors experienced in one week what well, we get what, what it takes us five weeks, and mm-hmm. by the fact that they all had to apply, they already have that in common. They're mm-hmm. hungry for leadership development, but because they applied, their command didn't send them. They had to pay their own way. And that's where this ip So, so then when I was, I was like, we got to do this again. So we, yeah. we scheduled one for the next year, the plan was to do one a year. Right. So Next year we did it again. It was, uh, had more people apply just as impacting and like, man, we got to, and Diana's like, we, we can't stop. Right. So then well, what's <laughs> going to happen when I, and, and, and by then I'd already had this idea for an E5 program called the leading petty officer Academy. And, um, and, and the idea of that came because I was with Mick Pond Stevens
0: and we were in a van
1: and uh, this other guy, Jeff, and we were talking, they had just come off a destroyer talking with this E5. And this E5 says, you know, McPon, I don't know what to do. My first classmate chief and they transferred him and then my chief got hurt and they transferred him. And I'm Ooh. the LPO and the chief. I've never had leadership develop training. I I don't know what right. I'm doing. And immediately I'm yep. like, oh, that's my that's." Yep. So that's my and, and I said, you know what? Um, we'll use the graduates from the foundry as mm-hmm. volunteers. Yeah. And we'll write the curriculum to teach mm-hmm. this LPO Academy. And so that's how that came about. So so then I talked to the, the JAGs uh, about, you know, can I start a nonprofit? And mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, you, you know, you can do whatever you want. That's fine. Um, right. You know, the rules as a, as a region master chief. And so what's funny is the first almost three years, I didn't realize I even started a business. I just thought I started a nonprofit.
0: Right, um, right.
1: So so that's, and we we called it something else. And you mentioned jo, Joanne Ortloff. We asked, mm-hmm. after Joanne retired, we asked her to join our board. Mm-hmm. And so she, we, we got her on board uh, and we voted her in as our president. And the first thing she did, it, it, she was our president for uh, about 18 months. And it, it was perfect because she had a lot of business sense mm-hmm. um, that we didn't understand. We were a bunch of we are six, yeah. uh, you know, master chiefs, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, nobody, even to this day, nobody. We are a pass through nonprofit. We all have jobs. Mm-hmm. Any fund money that comes in goes back into the nonprofit, and you know, because we get accused, you know, people, you know, because people are unfamiliar with a business mm-hmm. or they think that nonprofit should be free profit. They don't think we should make money or they assume we're making money and we're paying our you know none of that right yeah give me a chance to talk so joanne she's like we got to change the name because the original name was the like the san diego chief petty officer association so when you said you thought it was a navy thing and joanne said that it sounds like people are giving the navy and you can't so we came up with the enlisted leadership foundation because by this time we'd had a couple air force and coast guard come through our classes
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so since we called it elf um we we rebranded a little bit made it more inviting for all military and we have um we've had we're we're right now from a foundry class which is our e6 program um we're getting ready for class number 20. so for the last few years with COVID, we transitioned everything virtually which then we were able to go from two classes a year to three classes a year We went from doing 60 students each time living on board the ship to an unlimited number of students from around the world. We went from a speaker base that lived in San Diego to speakers from coast to coast, literally. And the, um, the level of speakers that we've been able to obtain the last class, we had, uh, Tulsi Gabbard from Hawaii. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, eight years as a US senator and presidential, we were able to bring her. And and when we get these speakers for Foundry, it's not like, can you come talk for 15 minutes and we'll take notes? They come in for hmm. 90 minutes and nice. we just say, you know, you talk for 10 or 15, 20 minutes. Trust me, the rest will open be
0: open. It up. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and yep. I am blown away at the depth and level and professionalism of the questions. But We've had, we've brought in speakers because we get students. They'll say, oh, I got the perfect person. I've been able to use my podcast to pre-screen speakers. Some are nice. great on a podcast and not there. Yeah. Some are like, oh, we need to bring you. Like one yeah, of our yeah. students, his, his mother-in-law is a, a lady named Bonnie, Bonnie Simi, and mm. she was an Olympian in the nineties, Wow. Box Wow. Yeah, now she's she runs aerodynamic comedies and stuff, and she's amazing. That's
0: crazy. So we yeah, we
1: her. I went through a program called the Institute for Veterans and Military Families out of Syracuse mm-hmm. University. The guy that yeah, started I saw that.
0: The- I was going to ask you about that.
1: Oh, Michael Haney comes in. Jerry Sanders, the former mayor of San Diego, he's mm-hmm. one of our speakers. Um, Chris, cool. so one of the neatest things is. So one of when I was in uniform the the admiral that I worked for he had gone to an event met the met with uh the CEO of Scripps Health in San Diego and Scripps got a, had a couple suites at a Padre game and so we got a wag to bring like 40 or 50 military and and I went um as you know the senior representative and they hosted Scripps hosted um at this Padre game and the reason why is the Scripps Health CEO's um, part of his story is he was a, a police officer and got injured in the line of duty. So he had to do a career change early in his, yeah. but he's still a, a licensed sheriff of San Diego County. So it was a special night to recognize um, law enforcement. So I got talking to Chris during this dinner or this ball game. And I just said, hey, Chris, I got this thing on the side that I'd love to be able to share with you. One one day, out of uniform, he said, "Sure, here's my card. Give me a call." So I called him one day after work, and I told him about um, the foundation, the leadership. I said, "Would you be a guest speaker?" And, and I'd like to bring the class to Scripps Health. He said, "I'd love to." Turns out, Chris—you know—I mentioned the E5 class. Chris created leadership programs at Scripps that are still going on. Mm. He had created a middle manager leadership class. Oh, um, cool. So it got to the point that he was opening Scripps Health for a day he would let other speakers come in there to speak. They ended up sponsoring us and paying for the the lunches. Um, And when he found out uh, by like our sixth class that everybody pays their own way, Mm. he went to his people and they became a sponsor to offset the costs of the foundry class, which allowed us to move away from Navy vans maybe buses to renting vans right. instead yeah. of always running around to go to galleys we were able to hit a couple nicer places to eat instead of one, one or two books library book for the library we gave them about five or six it just allowed yeah we, we continued to up level each class mm. um so and then because of covid like i mentioned we went virtual we've had a class as big as 250. we average about a hundred We've been we've had um, Air Force and Navy, each class has a senior enlisted leader and a mm. command master chief or we've had a command chief, Air Force type. We do um, active duty reserves and guard. We've had every branch, including Space Force, come through our programs. We do yes. it all on Zoom from 730 in the morning till eight o'clock at night. And so they yeah. I've got people that will show up at, you know, they can be in Cuba. They can be in Bahrain, mm. They'd be in the Netherlands all over the Globe, um, mentors, and students alike. We even had one mm. of our command mass chiefs, she was a command mass chief for a couple of classes ago. She was stationed in Spain. Um, wow. So they just adjust their schedule. Yeah. Um, you know, one of my speakers for the next class, he's a retired uh, Marine general. He's currently doing work overseas. He's going to be overseas yeah. when we do it. And, <laughs> but every speaker uh, is hand selected for a specific reason. Mm-hmm. Um, because we do we if people were to ask what kind of leadership do you teach, we call it relational leadership, because mm-hmm. as a civilian and in the civilian world, um, you, you, this positional power of leader, um, what the Navy teaches isn't going to be effective to be successful in the civilian world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, great, good, good for you and your position. Um, you need to understand what being a relational leader looks like and hearing from these leaders that are proven successful failed along the way but through their relationships and networking and how they treat people is how they got to where they're at and how they stay where they're at and help their company grow whether it's a publicly Mm traded company or a private organization so that's the long of how the Enlisted leadership foundation came about um you know so we've We've kind of grown. We've also scaled back. We we've we want to be able to to grow beyond Southern California for a couple of mm. different business reasons, but the capacity we just don't have the time um, mm. as a board of directors to do it. We don't we don't have enough income through the programs or donations where we can actually hire uh, you know somebody to re- to, to to be me, if you will,
2: right, uh, to grow right.
1: up and, and fundraise, to make the relationships, to grow it. Um, but, you know, our, our tagline is uh, building America's leaders, because who better to lead America than those that are willing to sacrifice our life for our country? Um, there will never be a short of e- E5 and E6s. So whether we have two classes a year or 20 classes a year, we'll always be able to fill them uh, you right. mentioned you heard about us through social media. When we started this back in 2000, officially 2014, that's when we got our um, approval to, to be a business. We, we said we would not use our current, because I was still on active duty, or future past positions to reach back inside the blue line, to ask our friends to advertise for us. That we're not going to say, Hey, brother, sister, got another class coming out. Will you send this email to our
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: to your command again and deploy? If our students, through the their experience of what they learned, isn't enough, that through social media and word of mouth, then we'll just cease to exist, and we'll know that's when that's when we have outlived our usefulness. But we've continued to grow yeah. over the time because of that social media approach um so mm. we still we, we don't um we don't put the word out like people may think that we do and you know i do yeah. a weekly newsletter um i get phone calls and emails throughout the week to say when's the next dates for this class or that class right and people are in and, and, but you know people are still learning about it right uh there, yeah. it, it's it's an ongoing you got new people just made chief i never heard about this before
0: right right yeah uh, how how have you found the um the Zoom classes like what like what's the like plus and minuses of transitioning from the live classes to the Zoom classes?
1: So the we'll we'll start with the negative first because there's fewer negatives than positive. To be honest with okay. you, the negative is simply the day to day the it's a face to face camaraderie and enjoyment that yeah. connecting. That nothing right. can ever fully replace that experience. Right. That's, and that's a combination of when we go back to the midway at night, um, when we do a large groups followed by small groups, when we were able to do some PT, some physical fitness in there. I mean, just as an mm. aside, I'll tell you, you'll appreciate this. So, you know, as a, when you go through initiation, PT is a large part of our initiation to bring mm. us together. Yeah. So class number two. We did PT. We scheduled two PT sessions. I don't know if you've ever been stationed in San Diego, but Naval Base, nah, San Diego. I
0: visited. But. Okay.
1: Admiral Prout Field. Um, we scheduled to, to be, get the class out there five in the morning um, for two times. So remember, this class is only five and a half days long. Yeah. Either Wednesday or Thursday of that class was our second PT session. And the mentors were were getting ready to lead the session like we did the first day. And one of the first classes, I say, hey, "Hey, Mass Chief, I'm a CFL, and so is Petty Officer and So, is it okay if we lead?" I'm like, <laughs> "By all means, go!" Yeah, yeah
0: how many okay. times I've held my breath, it, like, it, hope, hoping that a chief select during the chief season would do something like that. <laughs> right.
1: So, so then, so yeah, oh, do it. Then they mustered yeah. them all up, they formed them up, and they went from a mm-hmm. two-mile formation run cadence yeah. and everything. We said nothing, zero prompting Yeah. <laughs> when we went back onto the football field. Now there was commands out there. Mm-hmm. The commands stopped and applauded. The wow. They had no idea what was going on, but they knew. Yeah. Was- so, um, so in the virtual world, however, I'll tell you what's just been amazing. So my vice president is a guy by the name of Jim Rich and mm-hmm. Jim was, Jim's funny. He called me uh, as he was getting ready to, to transition, asking me uh, some transition experiences and you know, questions. Um, and he said, is there anything I'd do for you? I'm like, yeah, as a matter of fact, Jim, my CMC for my next Foundry class coming up just had to bail. Um, and class was <sighs> in three weeks. Would you be able to do it? And he's like, and, and I, to this day, he says, I never told him he had to live on board the Midway, but
0: nah. <laughs> I'm
1: sure I did. Uh, so he life. showed up to class He <laughs> didn't realize, he said, man, I'll be honest, if I would have known I had to stay on the ship, I would have never said yes, <laughs> but i would committed. So he rearranged yeah. the schedule real quick, but he would tell you that his experience as the Command Master Chief of that Foundry class changed his life and changed his direction of what he was going to do with himself after retirement. And mm. so, so Jim is my vice president now, just because of the impact this had on him. And so Ooh. he runs with me and what we immediately noticed and you know, when you're in a big group and you have a speaker, you know, try to, you know, who has any questions? It's like that first yeah. answer. Trying to get that first question out there. <laughs> really challenging. Yeah. Um, and we'd get questions, but they, it was okay. In zoom, the net amount of hands, virtual hands that goes up mm-hmm. during the conversation, let alone after the speaker's done, we, right never ever um, get a speaker that well i guess we're done yeah there, no questions always questions <laughs> left after yeah. 90 minutes and then you have the chat because you can't really have sidebars in a live thing
0: right but you right. can have
1: sidebars through chat and they're it's not true.
0: and they're not they're distracting
1: necessarily Man, what are you doing after class tonight? It's not like they're not right, paying right. attention. They're right. like, they'll they'll pick something out. Oh, and, and you'll see them comment like a quote of that that speaker just said, or mm. this happened to me. And sometimes it's yeah. triggering. There, there's yeah. some speakers that you know we'll get talking about some of those sensitive topics. Um, and as a result of that, you know, all the mental health that. We always have known there's been mental health challenges in the military. It really came up through COVID and now we're having a hard time dealing with it because there's so much Mm -hmm. that we need to work through. Well, prior to COVID, or or maybe it was as a result of one of our mentors who works with special special ops in San Diego, recommended reaching out to this mental health professional, civilian who Mm -hmm. does things with SEALs, so we did she has been a speaker with both us for both of our classes and so we've we've incorporated before mental health was truly the thing it is now we've already incorporated mental health component into our programs which that's awesome it's been it has given people i cannot tell you how many firsts that people have shared of their experiences how many people have come to the foundry and the lpo Academy that never felt safe to share mm-hmm. how they were treated or how they saw others cheated and it's not from a victim at yeah. all nor is it that i'm entitled it's i've never known or felt that i could or anybody would mm-hmm. understand but because they because it once again everybody's asked to come there everybody's looking for something Yeah, They're looking to be and we'll get from anywhere from a five, in fact, we've had a four-year E6. Mm-hmm. We've had, even in the, we've had E6s when we were face-to-face that are on terminal leave, right? They can't even make chief. They're, they're yeah. paid to come through Foundry. So mm-hmm. we get the full gamut. We, yeah. one, of, one of the, I had one, one thing we asked for both mentors and students is have you ever been to Captain's mast? Have you ever had a DUI? Things like that. I had a mm-hmm. guy call me. During an application, this first class, do I have to be honest about a DUI? <laughs> and, and I'm like, you do what you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this this person was, but the truth of the matter is, when you did that and you said you did go to mass or you did fail PRT or whatever the question was, because we changed them, that was it. Yeah. I immediately took you.
2: Yeah. Because
1: yeah. you're you the transparency, mm-hmm. and I've seen more people grow as a result of those failures than that yeah. so um so zoom the having the chat room the freedom you know, being here we feel much safer in our own home to be vulnerable
0: yeah right well, i wonder so if,
1: uh, we in, i wonder how much of that is burnout,
0: that you guys are civilians now like that there's not there's not an like so when i when i was doing this on active duty i think there was a certain amount of apprehension and i and i constructed the way i approached the podcast around this of like this guy's an active duty chief senior chief and then mass chief right and and i wasn't hiding that fact but i didn't use my name i didn't use my face until i retired um because i didn't want anybody to be able to point at it and be like this dude's doing this for an eval bullet or he's doing it for some other reason than or some other motivation than to just help us yeah. um and so i wonder if that willingness to be vulnerable and the willingness to be honest and and have those types of discussions like i i for sure agree with the comfort level of i'm in my own home i'm behind the computer lens whether or not my camera's on or not whatever so it like gives them a little more comfort with sharing it um but also that there's not any fear of like reprisal or repercussions or anything like that because you get some you get some conspiracy theorists out there on the internet, man. I like on Reddit, uh, the, the, way sailors talk behind the, the mask of anonymity, which is Reddit, um, mm-hmm. the stories they tell, you can tell there's, there's a certain percentage and it varies depending on how like bitter and jaded the person is of like their it's their way of like, even though you're kind of shouting into the abyss, it's like, it's their way of kind of like punching back when they feel like Mm -hmm. they've been uh, slighted or taken advantage of or, or not taken care of by their leaders. But then there's a lot of truth in it too, like where you can kind of pull a lot of, of really great information. And I've actually come across a lot of really awesome guests uh, through Reddit as well. But, um, but yeah, I wonder if it's not that like uh, that's, if that's not a big component of it, just knowing that, you know, like you're retired. So what, like, what other reason are you doing this for? You're not getting a paycheck. Like, you're not like, I'm not driving a Ferrari because of this and I'm, and I'm not doing it for some kind of eval bullet in in the military. It's not benefiting me in any other way than like the satisfaction of helping people. So, and I, and I think they probably pick up on that.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, um, so I will say when we were face to face with foundry, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: when we did our, (laughs) yeah, I, the thing that made the that makes Foundry so successful, it's that the the the, the mentors at night, mm-hmm. it's those fireside chats. Yeah, yeah. The speakers is amazing. The content right. is incredible, but having the senior enlisted leaders share from their experiences, become vulnerable themselves, which is mm-hmm. a requirement, because even yeah. the mentors submit an application. And they pay their own way, right? Mm-hmm. So so everybody's in this together. And what we learn is these, and remember this started for Navy first, right? Now that we have everybody, mm-hmm. it's heavy Navy. Right. But those sailors, they would leave. And they're like, I wish I had you as my chief. And the chiefs yeah, yeah. would leave. I can't believe there's chiefs out there treating you like this, or
0: yeah. doing this yeah. kind
1: of thing, right? So yep. they, there have it, it. It's really that's what makes this so special is those relationships that that continue long after the class um, uh, graduates, and we've right. been able to maintain that in the virtual world um, and expand it a bit because Jim and I, Jim and I as well as some of the other <laughs> um, board members from time to time, we'll pop in to, yeah. to fire the Firefly Chats at night. And so mm-hmm. there may be somebody because we also, you know, we're not, we, listen, we're, we're not any more skilled than anybody else. We just have more mm-hmm. experience than a lot of them. Yeah. So there's times that we can offer stuff maybe beyond even what uh, the mentors can. So mm-hmm. we've been able to take a student offline into our own little breakout room and just let them, you know, get things and 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 we've continued on conversation down that road, um, yeah. you know. And it's funny because we we also go back and forth on creating a senior listed class or senior listed program. I was going to
0: ask about that. Like, why isn't there a chief's class? Like, <laughs> you, like, you know. And
1: and and here's the goes back to what we said that it's really hard to teach a chief mm-hmm. because they've already learned,
0: right. Well they so think we focused <laughs>
1: predominantly on the E5 and E6s. Yeah. Because they'll be Chiefs. And right. that's how right. we are in and so now after eight years, we're seeing enough th- this has been our gauge. We are getting two or three, we get about okay, we get about two dozen mentors per foundry class. Mm-hmm. We're getting about two or three, sometimes four of those former foundry students. Yeah. So we're seeing enough people that were impacted for the through foundry as a first class make chief and then come back as a mentor mm-hmm. that now we we it's time that we think we can make a chiefs class that could be um supported without mm-hmm. somebody thinking why do i need this cuz we still want it, you know, it 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 would look a little differently we got some ideas um i think we we thought about starting one in 2023 but i think what we're going to do is focus on um, we we started doing an annual leadership symposium in San Diego. Um, okay. We did one, the second one we're getting ready to do the pandemic hit, so we just moved it all to a virtual symposium. But um, we're going to actually do th- two foundry classes next year, three LPO academies, and in Ooh. place of that third foundry class, we're going to do a leadership symposium. Okay. Plus we have Chief Petty Officer Pride Day, which once yeah. the once the Navy lets us know the plan talking with Russ Smith was um, the plan was to return pinning back to September 16th for mm-hmm.
0: 2024
1: or 23. So once that gets confirmed by the new McPond, then we can schedule CPO pride day. And we, right. we just learned over the years, try to do a leadership class in January or December doesn't really yeah. work. Even <laughs> November we try to avoid. So that yeah. really narrows it down to nine months. You can't do it much during August or September because of CPO season. So you need yeah. the chiefs um, mm-hmm. as mentors and stuff. So it just, you know, things that we've learned over the years.
0: Right. Um, so can you go into it? Like we've talked about it a little bit, but can you talk, can you go into a little detail on like, what is the foundry and what is the LPO Academy? Like I know like, you know, one's for E6, E6 is one's for E5s, but like, can you go into some detail about like what each course provides?
1: Yeah. So if you look at Foundry, I mentioned Foundry as a relational kind of, well, as a whole, Elf is relational. Foundry is where the most of it takes place. But we mm-hmm. came up with, I wanted a reason for somebody to come back to their command and to their command master. So said, okay, so you just spent however many hundreds of dollars to go do this. What'd you get out of it? I wanted to give them um, talking points, if you will.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not And and that probably sounds like I'm trying to brainwash them or something. (laughs) Nothing further from the truth. You know, if you think of when your time in uniform or if you're in uniform, every command, doesn't matter the branch of service, commanding officer has their mission vision for their time. And they have their talking points. They have their three paragraphs, five-pointed star, whatever. So I wanted something like that. But that was from a marketing perspective, um, what's going to be simple. So mm. me and this guy named, uh, one of my mentors, his name is Ken Ballard. Um, Ken, um, I was his command master chief on Macon Island and he mm. was a new chief. Bef- he made chief coming out of Navy nav lead. So mm-hmm. just a neat guy. So I'm like, dude, I need you to be my mentor. And he was a chief and I was a CMC. Yeah. Um, ah. <laughs> in fact, he, when I asked, Ken became a command senior chief and then eventually command master chief. But as a command senior chief for my retirement i'd ask my stevens to be my speaker and he couldn't come out for it so i said hey ken uh, Mick Bond couldn't be my guest speaker will you do it he's like wait a minute what <laughs> <But> that's that's <laughs> what i think about ken and he's now doing great stuff teaching jrotc at a high school in las vegas but uh ken was stationed in masabo when i created foundry and um, and I said, listen, and so for the second class, I'm like, Ken, I need help creating. So together we came up with what we call leadership triangle, that mm-hmm. the three points of the triangle are speak, share, shadow, because leadership starts with communication.
0: Communication
1: mm-hmm. comes in the form of physically speaking, virtually you know, listening, speaking, and visually speaking. Okay? We speak mm-hmm. in all three senses, if you will, or two senses and verbal, however, but it starts yeah. with communication. Communication is through sharing. you got to be able to share your stories and beyond stories, you've got to share of who you are. And when people build that trust because of your sharing and that connection, mm-hmm. then you get permission to be their mentor and they try to shadow you. Mm-hmm. The Navy in 2003 came out with, everybody will have a mentor. You have, <laughs> you know, so command said, you have 90 days once you check on board or you're gonna get assigned yeah. a mentor. When they started the program, you got 30 days to find a mentor or you're going to assign a mentor. Well, that's all fine. And you could assign mentors all day long. But right. if there's never been a relationship or connection, mm-hmm. you're only going to get that tip of the iceberg. You're never going to get 90 yeah. percent below the water. So our feeling is true leadership is about building trust True, true trust cannot be developed without connecting. Connecting cannot be developed without communicating. You can't mm-hmm. get to to. Sharing without communicating, you can't become a mentor without first connecting and sharing a trust. Speak, share, shadow is the formula to leadership. All of our speakers touch upon communication, the value relationship, and their own mentoring, who was their mentor and how that affected them. So that Mm -hmm. is the core of Foundry. They get 17 speakers in a five-day period of time for each day across all spectrums. 70 80 percent of our speakers that never served. We do have an active duty 06 that's there spec- mm. for a specific purpose. We have a couple retirees for a very specific message, but it all is wrapped around this leadership triangle. So that's mm. what they get with Foundry. LPO okay. Academy is different. If you remember the story, I said that E5 boson mate. Yep. So the idea is, listen, how many other E5 boson mates are out there? Mm-hmm. That don't have a foundation on where to start. Just just tell me how to get started. You know, we're military. You, yeah. We'll figure it out. You know, just tell <laughs> me where the gutter is and give me the bowling ball. <laughs> I may I may only get one pin, but I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a spare and then some strikes. So yeah. our goal is um what are the things as an LPO it, it, you really want to know? How to provide. Uh, not necessarily how to give an award or have a right award, but give an input on an award, input mm-hmm. on it, evaluations, how to be a working supervisor, how to monitor and work alongside, how mm-hmm. to sit through, you know, and, and do a mentoring, how to do a counseling. You know, some of the stuff that we teach through initiation season, we're yeah. teaching at that E5 level. As
0: because, well you should, sir. Man, when <laughs> That's I That's exactly what that sport, should be happening.
1: Oh, I was blown yeah. away. I sat this cheese mm-hmm. board. And I'm like, these e5s. They, they, it's clear that these fives got got a better idea of what it's going to take to be a chief than some of the e6s, you know. And mm-hmm. and we're going down looking at e5 and e6 packages mm-hmm. to make chief. So and
0: I sat the board and I couldn't even just just the the quality, and I use that term loosely, of the evaluations I reviewed. Like, hot this this didn't just get inputs from the e6 this then went through a chief and then a department chief probably and a cmc and a admin chain i'm like oh, it's the fact that like some of the stuff i was reading i was just like Ooh, how 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 did this make it a new npf like yeah
1: so good lord and, and so instead of you know us board members or master chief teaching these lpos and this yeah. also goes back to what you said too right about if I put a bunch of chiefs in a room in front of E5s, are mm-hmm. they they'll listen, they'll be in receive mode, but we need them transmitting as well. We yeah, need them yeah. free to answer questions. So we said, yep. And plus, listen, I was an LPO in oh 1995, Okay. <laughs> Ni- or no, 93, 94 was the last time. What am I going to teach somebody as an LPO today? So right. that's where the idea was. Let's take our foundry graduates. Now they've already invested, right? They understand this relational leadership. They understand mm-hmm. the value of communication, building relationships, connecting, and mentoring. Let's now put them in front because they've been their LPOs. They've had some success, so we wrote the curriculum alongside them, and they deliver this. What started as a two-day course that's now mm-hmm. expanded to a three and a half-day course. Um, and we've given those those E sixes the liberty. To have this course be living and breathing, so we every mm-hmm. class, the curriculum is updated the delivery the content is pretty much still the same mm-hmm. we do expand it based on different instructions, we tried to make it more doD and less navy centric yeah um and in the virtual space um we 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 we've been because we've developed more graduates which brought in more um, potential volunteers to facilitate, we have them do. Um, so I've got a core set of three E sixes that oversee the program that, that run the program. Mm. And then I have, um, a master chief by the name of retired master chief by the name of Rosa Wilson. She's on our mm. board of directors. So she runs the LPO Academy. I mentioned Jim and I oversee the foundry. Diane's mm. still with the board, one of the founding board members. She oversees CPO pride day. Um, So she worked with those three and then for the four weeks before class starts, they're developing the PowerPoints and they're doing a weekly teach back. So Mm -hmm. where the the people who are giving the topic, they're practicing. It's the first time they give a product isn't at the class. Right. And it's, again, it's still done virtually. We still limit the number of seats to 50 because we've just found um, we can do more. We always get about hundred applicants. So mm-hmm. we say, no a lot more to the, to the LPO Academy than we do for the foundry. That's interesting. But, um, we just, we, we don't have the, the, you know, we don't do nighttime. We have a hard start stop. Um, we, we know that getting a, getting a command to allow an E5 to stay home for three and a half hours. And that's one of the reasons why we use Zoom is we know mm-hmm. DOD won't allow it on the network. So therefore, right. we know they can't sit on the network at yeah, work and do it, right? So it's kind of by yeah. design. But surprising or not, we usually get, we we select 55,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we get between 45 and 50 that show up, because typically commands, they apply, and then yeah. they go to the command and ask permission. Yeah, and they're
0: like, hey, I got accepted to this and thing. They, yeah. Command yeah. they
1: know. And a lot of times, because they've never heard of us, so they... Mm-hmm. you know whatever so i get it um and we tell them that's why when the people apply because i'll get calls say you know how much is it for me to apply uh, applying is free you don't pay mm-hmm. for the class until you get selected and then i send you a separate link that tells you right. how to pay for it um so and so the, the, so when it comes to e5 you learn how to write those evals do counseling there's a we we do we do breakout sessions throughout the class where, where then this facilitator go in there and monitor They have some homework, like, you know, the old egg divisions they do. Okay. So that concept. They're still doing
0: that. It's, I don't, I mean like, and what's hilarious, and this is a bit of a tangent. So I try, I'll I'll try to not go too far down the rabbit hole. Okay. um, Is like a lot of the experiences I hear lately, it's like they assign the egg divisions, they make the eggs. And then a lot of the actual meat that's on that bone never even happens like they never get tasked with the eval or the counseling or the hey this guy died go look at the keiko instruction or whatever it's so it's like you're you're completely missing the point like it's not we're not doing arts and crafts for arts and crafts sake it's like there's no real value to that besides maybe a laugh you know it's like it's the meat on the bone is the is the uh tasking that comes from it and yeah
1: yeah very true. And, and, you know, I always, when I was doing initiation, I just, that was always my thing. If we're not going to do anything with it, we're not going to do it. You yeah, know, it, yeah. it's, it's uh, you know, in what, you know, tangent. what I always get frustrated with is how I could be treating, I can see these first classes treated well mm-hmm. by chiefs. All of a sudden they make chief.
0: Um, yeah, and during yeah. initiation,
1: they're treated like crap. It's almost like you yep. got to prove, which then confuses and then they get pinned. And now, those chiefs are going up hugging them high- fiving them like right
0: a right You've been it's a jerk too o- to last
1: six. I want nothing to do
0: with you how is it's too often viewed as a selection process and it's yeah, like it's hey guy that happened already like exactly I've, I've, I've stood I've stood in the middle of a final night acceptance and listened to the majority of the Chiefs and us try to convince the CMC that we should not accept this person yeah. because they're not ready. And I'm like, you're do you not understand what this is, man? Like, this isn't a literal acceptance. It's a symbolic moment of self actualization in which we want to see the switch flip yeah. in their in their head that oh, I'm a chief now. Okay, I get it. Um, and and I'm just yeah, and it it's it happens still to this day. I still, I still get chiefs reaching out and tell me that you know, and then yeah.
1: again, I'll yeah. go back to I'll just talk about the foundry class. Mm-hmm. I was so impacted. Personally, by listening to these, you know, some of it confirmed what I suspected, you know, right. over a few years, that I I've even known CMCs to come through. Um, the only people actually that's been ha- that are hand selected for every foundry class is that senior enlisted person who's going to mm-hmm. be the command master chief. So um, right. that CMCs have changed how they run their initiation season as a result of their experience with foundry and talking with those first classes. know there's more i tell people trust me you there's more value for you going on weekly hikes and pt sessions and stuff Mm -hmm. than any powerpoint training that you try to put them through That building those relationships during the season is going to make your mess far stronger Mm -hmm. than some of the reindeer games so so the so that's what the e5 class is all about It, it is very heavy navy um, yeah. we go back and forth we we've thought about changing the name because you know LPO. Right. You know, we what we like did a first do, line
0: leader course or something like yeah, that yeah you know it's yeah. a we
1: added the word workshop on it to make it sound less formal that it because it is yeah. there's breakout sessions there's the scenarios and things um mm. we get a lot of we do probably get a lot of marines because they're embedded with corman corman is probably yeah. the biggest rate that comes through the e5 class to be honest with you um but yeah so that's uh so we've kind of yeah, you know, the CPO Pride Day, that's our other big event and um that costs us a lot of money. We don't we try to make a little bit of money on that event because that helps offset the costs of admin costs and uh, for the year and then as well as bring down costs specifically for the 5 program.
0: And um, what's the goal of CPO Pride Day?
1: So the so our goal of CPO Pride Day is for the chief selectees to show them what to give them a visual look of what the CPO mess that they're soon mm-hmm. to be a part of—the relational power, the networking power, and the strength of the mess. So okay. when when you get so we the last CPO Pride Day we had twenty five hundred, we mm-hmm. had uh, seven hundred and about seven hundred selectees and the rest genuines. Uh, we turned away probably about a hundred because we just. Sold out. Um yeah. and the um, the the number of relationships that were I, I we met each other in boot camp and now they're <laughs> a senior chief and I just made yeah. chief. Um yeah. the number of foundry students that I was the last one of my foundry group. And my other teammates are here. They made it over the last, you know, that's cool. And then to do the cadence competition, to see the teamwork come to come together. Um, So from a leadership, you know, networking and relationships and mentoring is all part of it. it, Sometimes it's an assumed the, the networking and mentoring is an assumed part of leadership, but it's something that needs to be actively pursued and to see it visually played out shows at cpo pride day it could just show the importance of it um so yeah, yeah so that's uh and then what we also have provided from a goals perspective so so that's our overall goal from the list leadership foundation for doing it um mm-hmm. it started in 2004 by then force master of karen o'connor i only took it over uh running out of the the, the region master's office but it was mm-hmm. being funneled through my cpoa and it yeah. was costing about $60,000, $70,000 right. when I took it over. And all that, I'm like, who's accountable for this? Oh,
0: yeah. we yeah. just take
1: cash and checks. I'm like, what am a check just, balance? Yeah, we
0: though? just do it. Right.
1: <laughs> so by bringing it under the Lucia Foundation, that that now gave it protection, mm-hmm. protected the Navy. And, the, and then I was able to grow it as well. So when right, I took it over, right. we had about seven, 800 people attend. Now we have before the pandemic, we had 3,000 people that went to 10, wow. and because of the um, changes to fundraising during CPO season, mm-hmm. we started getting requests from CPO messes, will you allow us to come sell challenge coins? Yeah, And so we were like, why not? And then So we did that and then we saw that as an opportunity to make a little bit of money ourselves by charging a CPO mess uh, a small vendor fee. We ended yeah. up moving locations after COVID to a much larger area. This last um, Pride Day, we had 70, we'll call them 70 sponsors. 50 of those sponsors um, are CPO messes that had that. Uh, so if you want to have a vendor booth, mm-hmm. it was $1,200, but I we would charge $250 to a CPO. We gave them that military discount, okay. if you will. And there's messes that would make... 10 Ten, twelve, thirteen thousand dollars selling stuff. Wow! And then there's corporate sponsors that would pay yeah. different prices. Whether they're a nonprofit, for profit, maybe they're a veteran-owned company. We had different discounts in there. So it's not mm-hmm. about. Yes, it's about making some money, but we needed to offset costs. Um, right. This year, and this is all public knowledge. You know, people, if you go to a nonprofit, you could website, you see our financials, or ask for them. That's any nonprofit. It's all public. Mm. It's all public. So CPO Pride Day for 2022 cost two hundred and five thousand dollars to put on.
0: Good grief!
1: And if we had not, if we tried to do it with just the ticket sales alone, we mm. would have been twenty thousand dollars short of breaking yeah. even. Which that money then to 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 break even would have taken away from our program development and how we offset costs. Because um, even in Zoom, there's a cost for yeah every class because we do send them right. a lot of stuff and we we did one class years ago absolutely free and it was a fine class but you can actually even tell okay the interest yeah how bad do you want to be there yeah yeah you know so yeah so we there's always going to be some some level of a
0: cost mm. right what uh, a <laughs> it's, it's kind of a weird question have you and you may have had conversations like you said you were talking to russ smith uh um, when he was mick pond it's like is there ever like to me and, and I don't even know if there's an awareness at that high of a level. I imagine like Russ is probably aware of it, but like at the level that you would need to to have the type of support and funding to do something like Navy wide. It's like, it, why doesn't the Navy just cut you a check like and put one of you at every Yeah, you know I mean, like because they're they're try- they're rolling out the end like ELD stuff where they're doing like the flight line or whatever they call it, where it's like the shore duty duty. Do- guys mm-hmm. are going through the facilitator courses and then teaching the classes. I've heard good things about it. I haven't got to experience anything with it. I was trying to go to one of the facilitator classes before I retired just to see. Um, but it it's one of those things where it's like there's always going to be the same obstacles you described to mm-hmm. like we got when we got rid of nav lead, which I caught the tail end of and and I thought was it was pretty solid. Like I went to the work center soup classes, the second class I thought it was I got something out of that. Yeah. Situational um, leadership stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's so I I, but there's always going to be that type of a a hurdle to overcome where like we don't have the like to make it a command delivered or even even with the shore duty facilitators. It's like everybody gets pulled in so many directions every shore duty I've ever been on. We've been undermanned. So it's like it's even unrealistic almost to put that burden on a, a, a conglomeration of just random local shore duty people that are probably volunteering because they see it as a fit rep bullet and maybe they're passionate about it but it's like it's still another demand on an active duty sailor that has a a primary duty and probably collateral duties and all this other stuff so like in my mind the answer is is dudes like you and me and it's just like i i don't need to make money off of it i know so many retired cobs cmcs chiefs whatever officers warrants that would like volunteer their time just to be around sailors again, like and mm-hmm. and happily do so, you no, know, like without any cost to anybody. So I, I've never understood why the Navy does like just cut a check to. So you're already doing it. You're probably doing it far better than any formal Navy program. Like no nav admin is going to fix this. So it's like, do you, have you ever had a conversation like that? And do you do you uh, understand there to be resistance, or is it just something that's not even on their radar?
1: Okay. Uh, boy, there's a lot of,
0: yeah, there's a lot. sorry. There's a lot there.
1: No, no, no. I just want to answer <laughs> yeah. it succinctly. Um, Russ has been, so I, I met Russ in 2008. We both sat a selection mm-hmm. board together. So we've been friends okay. since then. When I started ELF and I was still the region mass chief, Mike Smith at the, at the leadership mess, uh, mm-hmm. symposium he held, he asked me to come and share about the, enlisted, it wasn't called ELF, but share about right. the enlisted leadership foundation, the foundry class, the OP academy, we were doing mm-hmm. a CPO legacy academy. Remember, I mentioned that early on. Yeah. We yeah. actually stopped that. Um, this we did not do it this year, and we're not doing it, we mm-hmm. let it go because it was the one class that Command Master Chiefs had to send us students, and we could never fill seats. They would not send really? us enough people to make it cost effective. Mm-hmm. And because they did not want some they did not what we were told is I don't want to send people somewhere to learn things. I don't know what they're gonna learn. To have control over something that's that I can't see what's going on, and I don't want to break up my group. But yeah, what happens once you make chief and they get disbanded? Go to so yeah, but
0: I okay.
1: just got tired of fighting it's it. So, yeah. so Russ, Russ and Navy leadership has known about ELF and what we mm-hmm. do. Um some don't like it, some aren't really? a fan of it. Um some <sighs> who have never attended don't understand. Why would anybody want to come to me to Elf when they could do it with them? They don't have to. Now, the other thing is I've been asked, why don't I figure out how to do government contracting, even though I'm a nonprofit? Mm -hmm. and and make My fear or our fear on the board, you know, Mm -hmm. you think about Foundry. How do you put a dollar amount on having people give their own time as volunteers to come speak? And then- there's, there's a concern of we lose kind of control of yeah. what it is. Um, so the, the, the military supports what we do. They know mm-hmm. about us. Right. There are commands that pay for their students. Yeah. Probably about now about 15% each class, right. they can get their command to pay. Um, you know, the fact that the military supports us, And we Mm -hmm. do not try to compete with anything they do. Yeah, we know what they're, I've talked to people uh, that are part of the the development and like and stuff. They've said, hey, we actually love what you do because we get people after they've come to your classes and they're so hyped up now for leadership, they're in this other kind of mindset Mm -hmm. as they come to, to learn more. And, and that's right. something else we do with both LPO Academy of Foundries, we learn is when you submit your application, the next time you hear from us isn't the first day of class. We have mm-hmm. it set up so that for four weeks leading up to class, you're meeting your mentor, you're receiving weekly emails. We're giving you, you we have you listen a podcast, We have you mm-hmm. do an exercise, We have you do a leadership book one a week mm. because we want these are the leadership. we want you to be introduced to different leadership tools. So that when you show up for class, yeah, you're already anxiously anticipating, like, man, I I'm, I'm getting hyped up for what's what's coming next. Yeah. yeah.
2: that's so, cool.
1: um, but yeah, so listen, uh, Russ is great. Um, in fact, yeah. he came to CPO Pride Day uh this year, the first time he's ever been to one. Um oh, it, wow. he he had certain opinions that mm-hmm. he, that he he kept to himself, um, and he wasn't the only one there. Who had never been but had opinions based on what they heard and and i'll just show that these opinions weren't necessarily the best right Um, yeah
0: i I had the same feelings about it and i i went to one uh locally and i don't know i i feel like my negative opinions were validated in a lot of ways unfortunately but i you know like there's, but that that goes down a, a whole thing with me in initiation and like kind of That's some true. of the things you mentioned, the way that they do it, the reindeer games, blah yeah. blah blah,
1: like. Well, these guys both left pleasantly surprised. Some some stuff that we do, they still didn't. The, probably the one thing our CPO Pride Day gets negative feedback on is is some people mm-hmm. are uh, the the having the CPO messes come out there and sell stuff as fundraisers. Um That some yeah. people. That that can rub people because to them, it takes the focus off of the that networking piece. And so two yeah. years ago, when we came back after COVID, that was some feedback. And so what we did this year is we, and we told the vendors, you cannot open up until after the guest speaker is done. So we made, okay. sure, we made sure things were separated differently. We, we yeah. just approach things differently. So we, listen, we welcome the feedback. We get the feedback. Right. Sometimes that feedback we could do nothing about, but gets a, a chance to respond to and to give the why. But others mm-hmm. are like, dude, that's a great point. We're yeah. going gonna to use that. And, and then it's kind of, kind of like command assessment, right?
2: Mm-hmm. What's
1: the point of having a command assessment when you get all that information and you do nothing with it? But yeah. when there's some low-hanging fruit, when there's something that really what's the big deal to yeah. make that change? And there's a lot of low-hanging fruit out there that sometimes yeah. we get hung up on doing because- no, I, I just got to hold it. Man, pull the fruit.
2: The, the
0: yeah.
1: benefit from getting rid of that, from pruning it, look at your plants. You prune them and they grow yeah, better. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah.
0: Um, so, I, I'm going to pivot on you a little bit. Um, <laughs> I'm curious. So, when did you make Chief? What year was it? And I'm not trying to make you feel old. Ninety-six. Yeah. What? So, I've always been curious. I've been trying to get somebody on that's that was a Chief in the 90s. And so I'm just curious, like, what, what was it, what was it like then versus like you, I mean, you were in until 2015. So you experienced, geez, like two decades as a chief. Mm -hmm. So like, what, how did, how did it evolve? What changed? And I, and I've had people ask, um, I've, I read a, they linked an article uh, in the blue jackets manual and all the, uh, laying the keel stuff. Um, what's it called? Good God. Teaching of the creed. Um, and it's it, like a 19, I, the copy I have is like a 1917 blue Jackets manual. There's that article. Um, yeah. A short talk with chief petty officers. Right. Yep. Yeah. And it, reading that article like I was I was I did an episode I did a whole teaching of the creed series and the episode I did on I believe it was credibility of a chief I did with a first class because I'm like who better to question the credibility okay. of a chief than a first class so uh we and we talked about that and we talked about the CPO creed and he's like why isn't this the CPO creed like the yeah, right. summary at the end of that article is much more succinct and this is who we are and this is what we do uh, as chiefs and so I've been asked like it, w- was it better before like because even if even when you look at um the way that that person articulated themselves in that article you're just like wow you don't hear a chief talk like this very often and when you do it's usually like a fleet or something or a force that's been in the in those circles where they've gotten their those chops to like talk in front of people very well like was it was it significantly different? Was it good or bad? Do you think that the changes that you've seen kind of happened in the, in the two decades you were chief and then even since then, like I, I've often wondered, like, it, was it better? Like, are the, are the chiefs in the, in the Navy times comments section, correct? Or, or was it just different for its own reasons and it's evolved naturally kind of thing. I've always been curious about that.
1: So in David Deary's humble opinion, I like using <laughs> the word different than better because, okay. um, Better is you. Is, well, how do you define better? What's better, to right? You? But it was right. different. Um, okay. so when I made chief, they said they, the number one rule of the chief is to train your junior officer. Mm-hmm. That's for me. Then it was taking care of uh, your family, uh, you know, take care of your sailor, take care of your family, taking care of self. So self came last, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but it was always about the junior officer, which my dad never understood. Right. Cause yeah. like, well, they're an officer, but, um, yeah. and, and, and even now it's, it's understanding as a chief, you're part of that mini triad. And, mm-hmm. and, and as a command master chief, my J O is an EXO, So mm-hmm. learning over time. So I could, I, I, I figured out that taking care of my junior officer. But when I made chief, we found out in June, so mm. we had a 10 week initiation. Wow. And when we had training, there was the the making chief when I made it was all about getting me out of the arrogance that I may have had, relying and trusting of my fellow chiefs and showing me what it's like to be humble by embarrassing me and making me do mm. things that I, yeah. that, that are silly and stupid.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Nothing dangerous, nothing obscene, mm-hmm. but like Forrest Gump had just come out <laughs> and I was actually, so I made chief, I was stationed at Naval Training Center, San Diego. I was the last group mm-hmm. to go through as they brack. So we were bracking at the time and I had mm-hmm. just graduated from college. I was in a program called the listed education advancement program. So I had just graduated from San Diego State University with a bachelor's degree. And early in the training, they, you know, yelling at me and asked me some questions. And I made some comment about being smart because I'm a college graduate. Man, and you know, they pick up on that. And they made me run around the room like Forrest Gump saying, I'm Forrest Gump, I'm Forrest Gump. Then I had to memorize lines like Forrest Gump so every training yeah. session, I had to be Forrest Gump. Um, they um, so they, they and we did stupid dead bug PT and different things, mm-hmm. but I we we didn't do PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. We did PT. We had this Master Chief that would run with us three or four mornings a week. Dude, that was money.
0: Because
1: yeah. now there was that dude that. He was vulnerable. He kind of shared his. Well, he went to mast. How it took him so long to make senior chief and master chief, but now he's a command. It's mm. just and so there was a little bit of everything. So that was the different part. I think that that intelligent piece that you mentioned about the writing. You know, you could look mm. at you could look at education over the d- hundred years of how right. kids how much how smarter changed, they appear yeah. to be then versus now. You could yeah. then you got to figure where we've come through technology even before social media. So things had to become different and change because people changed. So when you hear a lot of us say, when I made chief back then,
2: Mm.
1: you're going to, you get a lot more out of today. Today we do teach a lot more, Mm
2: -hmm. but
1: what I don't think, what I feel and kind of my, what I was always trying to do as a CMC, how do I teach you to be humble? Yeah, and I became really humble by singing Rubber Ducky, by doing yeah. Dead Bug, by running around like a little <laughs> because it took me out of a shell, and I knew uh, that every one of them had to do the same thing at some point. When I was ooh. telling my wife last night, we were uh, we went to, uh, uh, went went on a little trip, and I was just yeah. reminiscing. Man, when I made chief, I had to suck. On a mackerel, soaked in Tabasco sauce, so with my with my nose against a bulkhead, at attention, humming acres away for an oh,
0: hour. Wow, I would have, okay? yeah, I Was there can't any imagine. Time to that? No,
1: no, no Dude, it's I, funny as crap. I couldn't yeah. eat Tabasco <laughs> sauce, but yet there's another time yeah. that that I'm sitting there with this bowl of oysters and squid. And fish oil and Tabasco uh, and the nastiest stuff. And next to me with this other selectee, this big, burly African-American, the same thing. Mm-hmm. He's freaking in tears. Literally. I mean, mm-hmm. snot, tears. I get yeah. do- it doing. Chiefs are yelling. You're going to eat it. Yelling at him. I downed mine. I threw it. I took his. I ate his and gave him the empty wow bag. Because, but that's what my initiation yeah. season. Taught me. Wow. Now I never figured out how to teach that. Yeah. You know what I mean. Not that I needed first to do it. Yeah. That, I
0: think the shared adversity is hard. Yeah, shared adversity. I think yeah. is the the biggest value uh, added from Chiefs initiation, regardless of how you do it. Um, I think the way that we've accomplished it historically. And even up till now leads to a lot of um, like alienation of those people going through and you get a lot more people nowadays that are like, we're just teaching them to hate chiefs. We're just validating Mm -hmm. all of the um, what we call misconceptions that E6 and Mm -hmm. below have by behaving this way during the chief season. And so now they don't trust you, but now they're a part of the mess. And so it's it's like, it creates this really strange uh, dynamic that, or conflict really that uh it does not add value.
1: You know, yeah. it's a, uh, I, I tell you, one of my favorite initiation seasons when I was at ACU 5. They, and I'll be honest, man, ACU 5, because you have so many people in that hovercraft world that have mm-hmm. been there for, I mean, they go show there as an E4 and they leave there as a Mass Chief in some cases. Oh, so wow. they've really developed their season really well. I mean, yeah yeah some of the stuff they do. But I remember this one year, some guys were all PTing down the beach. Uh, Some chiefs and they came back with this big railroad tie kind of log, (laughs) and they it was big, square, and heavy. They painted it Mm -hmm. blue and then yellow. They they wrote, um, responsibility. And then final Mm -hmm. night, they had it sit behind the selectees, and then they whatever. And they said, Are you do you think you're ready to handle the burden responsibility of a chief petty officer? Mm -hmm. And they said, Yes, and they made him do bow (laughs) face. We had like ten. They had to pick it up and put that thing, and for the next three hours, they had to walk through these areas. And at different times along the way, they would make a couple peel off to have that burden of responsibility. Mm-hmm. So to feel the weight of the responsibility of a chief petty officer, as well as the needing when when other chiefs don't support you yeah, or help needed. them. Out, yeah,
0: how how much heavier it is. Yeah,
1: it was so yeah. good. So you know, to, yeah, I like to your that. point. Um, yeah. So it's a but listen. At the end of the day and well the other thing is i think today because of the availability listen the precepts are out there so mm-hmm. why, i love the fact that you have your precepts there but yep. what i don't love is people then become i've had selectees well i just figured out what i needed to do to make chief because mm-hmm. i read the precepts and i made sure i did mm-hmm. those things i handed my eval and here i am <laughs> but it kind of
0: likes to tell me all the time that uh uh, about how like the precepts uh dictate behavior like the what we put in the e- ecps and everything else so it's like yeah. if we're gonna say that involvement in the first or in the first class mess is important or involvement in mm-hmm. whatever we're calling cpo phase one whatever this week it's like then they're just checking the box at that point like they're they're i saw so many evals at the Chiefs board that said uh part or like Actively involved in CPO three sixty five, and I am like, yeah. "What does that? What does, that, what does mean? that mean? You yeah. show up, yeah, meet, exactly. like, like, it's like it's not you are not coordinating events, you are not leading anything, you are not actively involved in a way that's meaningful where you can demonstrate to me the effect that you had on all these other people,
1: yeah. Right um, rate, so, rate so yeah, they, rate by seventy five percent,
0: yeah what? they, I'd yeah they just two
1: or five, you know,
0: yeah checking boxes, yeah yeah, yeah. that, that it's, means nothing to me." Yeah, it's frustrating. Uh, I'm not a giant fan of of us laying out the roadmap quite that way. But like, I do want them to know it's it, like, I think it's more our problem in creating an evaluation system that accurately reflects the sailor. I'm evaluating at the chiefs board because right now we don't like, in my opinion, we don't have that. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I left the chiefs board feeling disgusting. Yeah. I was not. And this was post, like they revised the process after the nine board got shut down. Yeah. So you're mm-hmm. tanking every record. Um, mm-hmm. There's a couple other things that changed. And I still, I mean, it, immediately I, I was just like, what are we doing? Like, this wow. is not, I did not feel like we selected the best of the fully qualified, you yeah. know, in, 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 at the accuracy level that we should yeah. like that. I, I feel like you have such a responsibility to those sailors who are entrusting us it, with that, it, that, that process.
1: Right. And that, that's what it's all about. I mean, you're yeah. promoting people in the leadership positions that need to be able to lead and need to be right. able to lead. Aside from themselves, yeah, um, yeah, it's uh, a yeah, listen. I love my time as a chief, and I wasn't always the best. I mean, I've told people I made master chief too quick. I wish, uh, listen, I don't mind the fact that I made it too quick, but yeah. um, you know, I left the USS Mobile Bay in 1999 as a as a frock senior chief, and mm-hmm. I returned to sea three years later as a command master chief, um, uh-huh. and and I struggled in my early CMC tours because. I was never, mm-hmm. I would have liked to have two more years in an afloat mess and then be a CMC. I yeah, didn't know yeah. that at the time. Um, and that's one thing I, I appreciate the fact that since I made CMC, they've changed the program where you they built that actually into the program now that you're going to have time and rate as a master chief um, before you really? go. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when I made it, you could apply... It was a special request shit, at 1306 twice a year.
2: That's yeah, how you. Yeah. There was
1: no CMC cop school, nothing like that. In a sense, I went yeah. through the SEA as an E8 as a senior chief. I changed my rate from ITCM to CMDCM two months after I made that. Yeah, my so, that's crazy. Um, But no, it's a, but a, you know, I, um, but, it, but whether it's my season in 96, like I said, the thing that I felt that it took, it did for me is teach me humility and mm what it is to be a chief. But I also, and you're probably like this too, I, as a leader of just generally leading people, um, I kind of did, dis- do stuff because isn't that how it's done? And it wasn't probably yeah. time to be senior chief that I started yeah. seeing who's not making it senior chief. And yeah. I'm realizing, I guess it's not because so many people don't do it. Right. And then when you make master chief, it's even more.
0: Yeah. Um, I. I still marvel at the fact that I retired a master chief because I was a lot like, um, I forget her name. You mentioned her earlier, the brutally honest master chief friend. That, oh, that, Diane. Yeah, Diane that uses a sounding board. I'm, I've been that person my entire career, except I'm probably, I've probably been much less tactful about it, and like,
1: oh, I, I don't that.
0: always do it. I don't always close the door. I don't always, yeah. You know, I I got a lot better about that with time and maturity, but. Uh, when I realized, you know, confronting these people in certain venues probably isn't the move, but, um, well, you know, definitely very good. I
1: was just gonna say one, one more thought about the season. I guess over the years, mm-hmm. what I learned too, you, you know, I never listen. I, I, these thoughts I, I didn't, I, I'd never shared cause you don't want to peel that, you know, make yeah. people feel like, you know, they, every season is the best season cause it's their season, right? They don't have a frame yeah. of reference like you and I do, but right. There's more I'm able to do to teach some of those hard lessons once they put mm-hmm. on anchors. And that's what I would tell the mess. Hey, we're yeah. going to go there. Let's just, my goal is to make them come. I just want them to feel safe and comfortable to come to us to, mm-hmm. when, when they're wearing anchors to not reflect negatively on who we are as a community. And then mm-hmm. these other things that we may be frustrated about, we'll work on that once they're in the mess
0: yeah and that's why i love that and came out with that cpo course as well yes. and that's why i was gonna ask you about it when and if you are we're planning on doing it because i do i do think that there's a lot of um especially if like senior chiefs mass chiefs cmcs are the ones doing the teaching yeah um, because they're going to be a lot more uh receptive to that uh source but yeah i i I think there's a lot that can be taught to those people after they make chief to prevent the types of reactions that you mentioned about like the, how your mentors are like, I can't believe these there's chiefs that are treating you this way or doing this to you or whatever. Um, And yeah, I, yeah,
1: you know, we, we even thought about one one of our ideas for the seven for a seven course is in order to attend, you have to, because we've been asked by the wardroom could, you know, To bring in JO. To do
0: like a JO one. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: So then I got thinking back when I said, you know, number one job with chiefs, change your JO. What if we do a course that you, you have to bring your JO with you. And it's just like a a one or two day seminar. Again, respecting their time. We want to give you every reason to say yes. I don't want to give you a reason to pause and say no. Right. Um, So if we do something like that, you know, how, how might that, impact people too right
2: yeah because yeah. you
1: know it's like why do i do this it's the it's the emails and the phone calls or the texts that i get for you for the one person it's that one person it's like if you play golf man it's that one good stroke every round that gets you back for the next round And there there's times that oh my like, god i am just exhausted but then i yeah. get a note yeah I'm like
2: <laughs>
1: this is why this is yep. this is why we can't stop because there could be that one person out there that we yeah. miss.
0: That's what keeps me going with this, man. Like yeah. I, there's plenty of times and, and I was going to, this is a good transition to my, like kind of my last question. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, is, yeah, no, sorry. I know it's been, we've gone a little long here, but um, is the, the reason I continue doing this, even right, like right now I'm kind of, uh, I find myself not super motivated and I've had a little bit of a hard time with the transition into retirement as far as just like, I have a lot of medical issues. Um, but a big part of it is quality of sleep, uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, but it's like I, I just can't put it down because like I get those types of emails, messages on social media. Like I've got stuff pinned up on my board over here where it's like I got a chief saying you like changed my life and completely turned me around from being this bitter jaded chief that just didn't think there was a point was considering separating to like being reinvigorated and like getting after it. And I'm just like, wow. you know, like getting an email like that is like I it blows my mind every time. Like the, I, I Like not that I I don't I've had that effect on like junior sailors, but to get it from from chiefs and even people that I haven't directly interacted with, it's like just they they were receiving the podcast and that's it. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't even the first interaction was them providing me that feedback, and it it melts my brain every single time it happens, and it's why I continue doing it because it's Mm -hmm. it's like it's too important not to. I I I don't know how to stop like because I feel like I would be just neurotically like thinking about how people need this resource and I'm not providing it anymore, but I could and yeah, they could drive me insane. But the kind of the last question I had for you was, and it's more for me personally and like, I'm sure there's other people transitioning, but like how was your transition out when you retired? Cause I mean, you were around much longer than me. Um, and I'm not having an issue so much with, um, like mourning the loss of this thing that was like a big part of my identity or anything it's more like the structure and the um like having the mission that i felt was like i have to do this every day i'm having a, a tr- issues with the lack of structure where i can t- like i don't need to wake up like cuz i'm not working right now i'm going to start school in january but i'm 100% disabled with the va so like i have the financial flexibility to uh just do whatever um and yeah it's kind of it's a little bizarre and like i'm having a hard time with the finding a purpose which i thought would be the podcast and i still think it will be eventually once i figure this out but where i still feel that same like like I have to do this. Like I, I, do feel an obligation to do the podcast, and I still like doing it when I can get myself into this chair. As soon as we start talking, I love every second of it. But it's yeah, right. the I, I'm yeah. I'm just having I'm having an issue like making that the thing. I guess, and um, I'm wondering how like how your transition went, and any like lessons learned you can share about about your retirement and adapting to post Navy life, and then we can wrap up.
1: Yeah. So. Uh, you know, my retirement was not the normal. Uh, I mentioned okay. I, work for a, I do work for a for-profit company. And the company I work for uh, works directly supporting the military community. And so mm. um, I transitioned in three weeks. I left one uniform and three weeks later put on another uniform. Um, that gives me structure. It keeps me connected with the yeah. military community and maintaining a lot of relationships I had on active duty, both civilian yeah. and military. So okay. between what I get paid to do, as well as what I volunteer to do with Elf, right. um, I I have a purpose. And mm-hmm. more time is given to the for-profit because they pay my bills, right? And, right? and I love what I get to do. <laughs> um, it's not a structured nine-to-five job. I, the okay. hours are somewhat flexible, but there could be a work that uh, there could... I I definitely work more than 40 hours a week, and I spend a lot okay. of time on the road doing it. Okay. But the mission of why we do it, and I don't sell anything, um, yeah. but the, and I could tell you offline who I'm talking about, but yeah, I, don't I was going to yeah, was ask
0: after we, <laughs> but, <laughs> after but the, we the, finished.
1: The mission of the company is awesome. It really okay. is. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, and I don't sell anything. I don't damage my reputation. They're supportive mm. of the Enlistment Leadership Foundation. Um, mm-hmm. So, it helps me get up where my transition was difficult is I did not learn to not be on. You talk about sleep. I still, you know, what's the last thing you think about and what's the first thing you think about. And when you wake up in the middle of the night, what are you thinking about? And sleep is always an issue, but I didn't learn. It was about three years out of my last seven. that I had to really start thinking about when are you going to let go? When are you going to enjoy, and start turning it off, and is really when I learned that I I may have said that I put my family first, yeah. But I really wasn't, and even in retirement, I was still giving up my whatever. I just I just changed drugs, man. I went from yeah, maybe yeah. drug to this other company drug <laughs> it, it, with you know elf as an appetizer to you know because you got to eat when you drink. Yeah, and <laughs> it, it's uh. So once um once. My wife had a good conversation with me, um, mm. and then I got some counseling. I've been uh, doing some counseling, yep. even. Uh, That's exactly recently. how I
0: ended up in yeah. therapy, man. Yeah, and <laughs> my and, wife and to, was like, "You got to sure. do something about this." Yeah,
1: but I've had to learn a lot, and going to church and talking to—I run the military yeah. ministry at our church now because there's a lot of men. I went through a—I a, went through a group called Mighty Oaks, um, mm. which is a—they a, have four different. Uh, faith-based um uh, places that you can go for a week and that was just so much um and I realized you know just like anybody we're not alone there's nothing unique that I'm going through but it's having the humility that same humility that I could easily have on a ship or in the cheese mess I couldn't do at home
2: and I had to learn
1: um that it's okay and Mm -hmm. it doesn't change who I am um, I still have my struggles. I'm not, you know, certainly working through it, but the transition, I, I think that transition is always kind of hard.
2: Um, yeah.
1: and, you know, I saw an old dude yesterday wearing a, a blue, you know, the cap with the, the blue hat with the chief anchor and this day yeah. looked like he could have been at world war two. And, but I just blew nah. it up. And I'm like, Hey brother, what's up chief? You know, it's just, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, it, kind of, it just. Because it, and even though I'm around it all the time, boy, it's just so cool to mm-hmm. to see that. And, and, uh, yeah, but you know, it's the fact that you know, it, and you just punched out, so yeah, it's gonna take some time. Um, yeah, you know, and it, it's like, I, I, I did not, I don't recommend anybody personally, I don't recommend take people taking those six months off. Um, mm-hmm. um, I mean, take some time off, yeah. but I think it's better to. You know, kind of it out, right? And right, you, you know, just you know, you don't need to shoot to the surface right away, and whatever you guys call it when you flop down like in the like movies. the sub reference, I yeah. like it. Yeah, <laughs> and
0: yeah, uh, I I I, I kind of went into it uh, talking to my my therapist about it. It was to yeah, like going into it, taking some time off. Um, but what I found was during the time off, it was I kind of. I started to kind of beat myself up about being lazy. Like I was sleeping super late and then my sleep schedule would get all whacked out and then I'm not doing anything productive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm trying to get a handle on that myself, but like it, absent of a structure that kind of forces me yeah. to like, like I have cool. to show up to this thing. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm, I'm hoping when school starts, like I'll feel that type of, I know I'll feel that type of an obligation to show up to class, which will provide me some structure generally, I think. Um, and because I, I actually I had a job with a military contractor to develop training um, and then the Navy like fumbled the ball preparing to award the contract. So they weren't ready. So then the job went away and I was like, oh, all right. So then I, I kind of had a forced break because I couldn't just start school immediately. I had to wait until the next term starts. Hmm. Uh, so I'll start January 3rd. But um, but yeah, it was kind of weird. And I'm like, ah, whatever. I wanted to take a break anyway. And then I, I find myself almost like man was this a good idea like a month maybe sure but like it's been it's effectively been since august 9th because i got surgery it was on convalescent leave rolled right into terminal leave and then you know so it's been i haven't really been doing anything like just this and going to the gym and sleeping too much and probably like watching a lot more netflix than i should but um but yeah i uh I don't know. I, I I'm starting to think it might have been like, yeah, act like you're on PCS leave for 30 yeah, days and right. then jump back in, you know, like because I need. What do you
1: jump into? That's your question, right?
0: Kinda like I, it, I don't think it really matters for me so much, like because like I don't need the money of a like getting a job. It, you know, it'd be nice. Um, I would rather throw myself into this thing. I'm trying to kind of turn it into a business. Um, but like I've had I haven't had the results that I desired because I haven't been putting in the time that I I thought I would because I haven't been able to kind of like get myself uh ramped like revved all the way up to to commit all all the time that I want to and blah, blah. blah. Like, and what I it's funny, cause like I'll get in here and I'll be doing it and I'm like, oh yeah, I wanna do like you're talking about this, and I'm like, oh yeah, nonprofit sounds cool. Maybe I should do that. And like, but then like to actually come back in here every day and treat it like a job um, I don't know. I've just been having a hard time getting there. Like self-imposed structure has been really difficult for me. Sure. So it's kind of like, um, I'm always curious to hear like how people have dealt with it. Uh, yeah. You know, it's a, yeah,
1: I, I know I didn't answer your question directly at all, but, um, you know, I, I know for me, as far as balancing stuff out, I read a book, uh, called atomic habits. Mm-hmm. and um, in fact it's one of the books we we now give to a foundry class yeah because it's about building those habits and yeah. building that structure into an unstructured life and yeah. so simple things that work for me like i've tried to do right on boards and stuff like that but yeah. ultimately i end up getting one of those stu- remember the old wheelbook kind of things i got a little yeah, thing yeah. like that that has the mm-hmm. dates and stuff that i put my daily tasks and i and it's not an overwhelming, it's not an exhaustive list. So I look at it and get overwhelmed, but it's just yeah. enough that, okay, for today, I want to make sure I accomplish these one or two things for elf and these things yeah. for the, you know, and there's my structure. Um, yeah. And, and, and when they don't happen, I've learned it's okay. If I yeah. got to say, I, yeah. I, because of, you know, I had to go get my tooth fixed this week that screwed mm-hmm. up my schedule. So yep. I, I was supposed to do something tonight and do something tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I never cancel on people. And I canceled both. It's like, I yeah. just don't have to compare. And I already rescheduled right. with you. I wasn't going to cancel this. Yeah. like And it's okay. And you know what? Yeah, Both of those people are like, oh man, no problem. Thanks for letting me yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And it's, but there's been a time that I'm like, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I can't let people down. I, I get yeah. it.
0: Uh, yep. You know I feel like shit every time I do it, man. I, I I beat myself up about it, and I've been doing it more since I've retired. Where I'm like, like I'll sleep too late. Like I was supposed yeah. to do something yesterday with a, uh, well, so it was with Victoria because of the Patreon subscriptions. uh We do like a, I do like a quarterly mentoring thing with nice. uh, like via Zoom or whatever, and we were supposed to do it yesterday, and I, and weird sleep schedule stuff, but I didn't set an alarm because I, I went to bed early and I hadn't slept much the night before. So I was like, like, I'm going to I'll be out and but I am I went to bed so early. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to wake up past like 10, you know, like and I woke up at like three in the afternoon. Oh I'm just like, how in the hell did this yeah. happen? And I got a message from her going, well, are you OK? What happened? And I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm a I'm an infant. Yeah. I'm a man infant. Like, <laughs> I, I just like Yeah, and but part of it is the sleep issue. Yes, I'm still trying to figure that out. Like I'm sleeping better than it, like because I like had anxiety issues and then sleep happening really bad, and then a bunch of a bunch of other shit. That that it just yeah, it's I'm a dumpster fire, but I'm working on it. It's a lot better than it was, so it's trending the right direction. Um, but yeah, I got to, I got to get way better about it, but I feel horrible when I do that. Even like I canceled on my chiropractor like twice yesterday. Like wow. I moved it to later in the afternoon and I then I still, I, ca- I still didn't, I I still didn't get there, but anyway, well, thanks, man. This was, this was awesome. I, I, I'm definitely going to have a lot more questions for you, particularly about, uh, the nonprofit stuff. Cause I am. I've always kind of envisioned like where I'm at locally and we can talk offline specifically, but there's a, there's a warship memorial that I've always thought to myself would be really cool to do like a heritage Academy or like a leadership Academy of some kind working with them. And it would probably raise money for them too. And, um, and, and yeah, like the, like doing kind of something similar on a smaller scale, most likely, but then now I, I've always been very interested too, in like an online curriculum of some kind, whether that's for profit or not, I don't know. Like, yeah. but, uh, I, I lean towards nonprofit because of who I'd be targeting. Um, but yeah, man, I think what you guys are doing is, is incredible. And I hope that Appreciate more people it. become aware of it, uh, well,
1: more when, will. when yeah, we blast when this out will, there, let's right see your podcast, right?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, no, definitely. There, you'll, you'll, you should get hopefully a little boost. Uh, oh, I, uh the audience, it. I think, will. I, I like if they're looking for people like me, they're looking for people like you, yeah. uh, for sure. Yeah. And I think a lot, especially the people that are lucky enough to be uh, local, like in the yeah. San Diego area. Well, no, but in Zoom, you don't have to be. that's True, nice. yeah, true. Now that yeah. you guys are doing, which I didn't know you guys did stuff online. Yeah. Um. So that's awesome. But oh, I appreciate you, your man. time, man.
1: Thank you, brother.
0: All right. I hope you all enjoyed that. Um, I had I had a great time talking to Dave. It was very fun because I saw a lot of myself in him. Uh, specifically kind of like the his drive to do what he's doing and how important he feels that it is and that uh, he's still doing it. I just I don't know. It was very cool that um, he's been able to accomplish what he has. And it, obviously with a ton of help from from awesome people. Um, but yeah, I just I think that what they're doing is, I mean, there should be one in every flea concentration area. I think, (laughs) and I asked him that towards the end of the podcast. I'm like, why doesn't the Navy just cut you a check? And like, you can just fix this problem. Um, because I, he could, um, he would probably need to make it his full-time job, but you know, the Navy can afford that. So let's go. Uh, (laughs) but you know, like I, I really, I, I think it's a big deal what he's doing. I think it's a very positive and important contribution to leadership development and education in the Navy. Um, and I really do I like, I, I wish it would proliferate. I I feel like department of the Navy needs to get on the ball and cut a check. But, uh, yeah, if, again, if you're in that area, take advantage of it. If you're not in the area and you can like find the time to get away, see if you can get your command to fund you, uh, going on the travel. But I highly recommend being involved in what, even if it's via the zoom version, like be involved and in take advantage of that resource. Cause it's very cool and it's meaningful. And I think you'll get a lot out of it. Um, with that, as always, if you need anything from us, hit us up. Don't give up to at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us at don't give up podcast, or you can DM us on Instagram or Reddit or discord at tickets podcast, hit us up lots of ways to do it. Um, and like I mentioned on the spinning yarn last week, if you want to be a contributor, I'm open to it, hit us up, shoot me an email. That's the best way if you're going to get into that because, you know, long form conversation via email is a lot easier than me typing on my phone because I'm old and, you know, barely, <laughs> barely, uh, fluent in most technologies. So especially video. So that's where we're at. Um, but yeah, really appreciate it. If you want to support us, go to Uh There's a donate button on the website, or you can go to don't go up ship apparel, com. Uh, get yourself some Naval Pride and Heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. It's pretty awesome. I highly recommend it. <laughs> I have no selfish motivations for that whatsoever, um, obviously. And then, uh, yeah, if you want to support us financially, you can do that. We'll get a bunch of cool benefits for it by going to patreon.com slash Degas Really appreciate you. If you're able to do that, please do. Shout out to Victoria and William and all the other dope patrons that we have. Um, I would love to have more. So go to go to patreon.com slash uh, and become a patron today. Really appreciate it. it. It means a lot and it helps a lot. Uh, and with that, that's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship.